this past Tuesday, in case you didn't turn on the television, didn't pick up a newspaper, and have been like Rip Van Winkle and had no clue what was going on in the world around you, this past Tuesday we observed the 17th anniversary of the attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City in 2001. And those events of September the 11th, 2001, are events that are indelibly imprinted, I think, upon all of our minds. I know I can remember exactly where I was and exactly what I was doing when I heard about it. I had dropped both Bryant and Matt off at school that morning. I had gone back to the house. I had just sat down with some sausage, scrambled eggs, and toast and a glass of milk when I looked and saw the World Trade Center explode on the television in front of me. I'm quite sure every person sitting here, with the exception of a couple, can probably remember exactly what you were doing at that moment also. For our generation, the events of September the 11th, 2001, or what December the 7th, 1941, was to another generation. Franklin Roosevelt said that December the 7th, 2000 and, or 1941, when the Japanese bombed the U.S. naval base in Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt said that was a day that would live in infamy. So was September the 11th, 2001. On Monday of next week, September the 24th, that will be the one-year anniversary of a Sunday morning when a gunman walked into a church in Antioch, Tennessee and killed a woman and shot a bunch of other people. November the 5th of this year will be the one-year anniversary since a deranged maniac shot up the Sutherland Springs Baptist Church and killed 26 people and left 20 people wounded. And you add to events like that the constant civil unrest that we see on the television screen from day to day. And you see the general anger of so many people in our world today. And all of this is nothing more than just another example of Man's inhumanity to man. And we seem to see examples of man's inhumanity to man just about everywhere we turn in our world today. And all of these things coupled together are enough to cause a great deal of anxiety on the part of all of us. And anxiety has been defined in the Thorndike Barnhart Dictionary as uneasy thoughts or fears about what may happen, troubled, worried, or uneasy feelings. We talk a lot in our world today about anxiety. And anxiety is nothing more than another word for worry. And it is senseless, it's useless, and folks, it's downright harmful. That said, 
It's something that every person in this room engages in. We wonder when the next nut job in Iran or North Korea or Egypt or Libya or somewhere else in this wide world, someone even in the United States, when the next nut job is going to do something monumentally stupid and kill a bunch of people or plunge the world into another war and chaos. When will the next crazy come along and shoot up a church or a factory or a school or a kid's soccer practice? But folks, if we're familiar with our Bibles, and we are, we know that anxiety and worry is rebellion against divine authority. It's rebellion against the divine authority of God for us to be unduly concerned and despondent over the future. You recall what Paul would write to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6? He said in the American Standard Version, "...in nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God." Now, here's Philip's translation. Don't worry over anything whatever. Don't worry over anything whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. Folks, it does absolutely no good for us to worry over things that we have no control over. Not only does it do no good. It impairs our usefulness in performing the tasks that are our responsibility to perform. Not to mention most of the things we worry about never happen anyway. If you had the time to listen to our podcast this week, and we're going through the storms of life, and this week in our podcast we talked about the storm of anxiety. And to be sure, if I went around this room right now, and one by one I said, I want you to tell me exactly what you were worrying about on September the 16th, 2017. Most of you wouldn't remember. We can't remember what we were worrying about this time last year. And likely the things we were so anxious and worried and concerned about this morning will be forgotten about in two or three days if we haven't already forgotten about it. Gloomy forebodings about the future quite often are indicative of a lack of trust in God. It's as though we feel that God either cannot take care of us or God will not take care of us. Complete faith and trust and reliance on the God of heaven will drive all anxieties out of our lives. If we would apply the teachings of Jesus Christ to our lives, 
the widespread unrest and sense of insecurity in our world today would totally disappear. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives numerous reasons why we should rid ourselves of anxiety. It's a somewhat lengthy reading, but I want to share it with you from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take there no, for no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Why is anxiety harmful to us? Folks, our life, our life, our body, they're of far greater value than food or clothing. God gave us a body. And God put life into our body. And that's a greater blessing than food and clothing. But the God that gave us a body and the God that put life into our body can be trusted to grant to us the lesser blessings to sustain that greater blessing of life that He's previously conferred upon us. Instead of worrying about stuff, we should do our duty and be honest and economical and industrious. Be not anxious. When Jesus says, take no thought, the American Standard renders that in Matthew 6 as, be not anxious about tomorrow. Be not anxious for your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Folks, that's not just a prohibition against an undue level of anxiety. That is a prohibition against being anxious at all. Now, there's a proper degree of thinking and industry about the temporary things of this world. But ultimately, Jesus says, our life is more than food and our life is more than clothes. And being anxious about it. Being anxious about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear is not right in the sight of God.
Jesus said God takes care of the birds flying in the air. And God can be trusted to take care of us. He supplies the needs of those birds within the laws of nature. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, but God feeds them. And they're free of worry, and they're free of concern over the future. Earthly fathers who love their children. Earthly fathers, now we can read cases of severe child abuse by mentally deranged people. And I use that term loosely. But fathers that care about their children. You've never heard of one of those buying bird seed for the bird feeder and neglecting his children. Why should we be afraid of a heavenly Father that created us that, that He's going to abandon us and not care for us? We're of more value than those birds. And God's going to make provisions for us. Our duty is to sow and to reap and to gather and to do it without anxiety. Because anxiety is not going to benefit us in any way. Jesus said it won't add one cubit to your stature. The American Standard Version actually translates that, it will not add one bit to the measure of your life. Uneasiness and worry, it may shorten our life, it may cause us to buy a lot of Tums and Pepsi and Zantac, but it's never going to prolong our life. God has ordered the circumstances of our life, such as height and span, and beyond the appointments of God, we cannot pass. And so we should not, we must not, view with distracting anxiety the means of sustaining life. What we need to do is to learn from nature to depend upon the simple provisions of God. Jesus' very simple admonition was, Consider the lilies of the field. He said, They toil not, neither do they spin. But God clothes them more beautifully than the glory of Solomon. And Jesus said, if God clothes the lily that way, if He so clothes the lily of the field that's going to perish so soon, isn't God going to be much more mindful of His children? God's care for the grass of the field only lasts for a day. And that grass of the field is cast into the oven. If God cares for them, is God not going to take care of His children more abundantly. And the lesson is that as Christians, we should live on a higher plane than the people of the world. Jesus tells us that to be anxious about food and drink and clothing, that to be anxious over all those things is to imitate the Gentiles. Those who have no knowledge of the true God. 
and those who trusted only in themselves. If God's people allow themselves to be so disturbed and distracted by the temporary things of this world, Jesus said they're no better than the nations of the world. Being the peculiar people of God, we trust God's provisions for our welfare. Being the peculiar people of God, we trust God to take care of us. You see, here's the thing. God knows. God knows about our temporal needs. God knows about our needs in this world, in this life. And since God knows our needs, and since God is able to supply those needs, we must trust that God's going to provide the best for us and not worry about it. For us to doubt God's power or God's willingness to provide for our needs is to deprive ourselves of the comfort and the consolation that ought to belong to every child of God this morning. The panacea for anxiety is complete confidence that God knows best. The psalmist would say, I've been young and now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Paul would write to the church at Rome in chapter 8, verse 28. He'd say, and we know. He didn't say, I think. He didn't say, I suppose. He didn't say, I'm told. He said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. In that passage, you find unfailing faith and reliance in the promises of God. And Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God's kingdom. God's righteousness. God should be first and foremost in our lives. God should be our very first consideration. We must allow spiritual things their proper place in our thoughts and in our actions. And when we do, we're not going to have time, nor will we have the inclination to be driven to distraction by the fleeting things of this world. The dominant thing in our life ought to be the salvation of our souls. The dominant thing in our life ought to be what Paul said. We talked about it in Bible class. This one thing I do. Forgetting what's behind and pressing forward. I press on toward the prize for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The salvation of our souls ought to dominate our thinking, not the material necessities of life. We must seek the kingdom first, fulfilling our responsibilities therein. When we do that, and when we live righteously before God, we have a glorious promise. Because what did Jesus say? All these things shall be added unto you. He says, don't be anxious about food or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Seek the kingdom of God first 
And all those things, food and drink and clothing, all that's going to be added to you, Jesus said. Obedience to God includes useful endeavor, economy, industry, and the proper use of everything God has given to us. And having control over all those things, God can and God will give us what we need. And He'll give us what in His wisdom He feels like is best for us. And we don't need to worry about tomorrow. And we don't need to worry about yesterday. Because every day has got enough difficulties and burdens and troubles all of its own without trying to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. We're not to be anxious about tomorrow. Jesus said tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And we don't need to perplex our minds and tax our little brains about what's going to happen tomorrow because we have no assurance that when the sun rises over the eastern hills in the morning that we're going to be here to witness that sunrise anyway. We can be certain of one thing about the future. We don't know if it's going to bring happiness or a cross. But we can be certain of this. God's going to be the same loving Father tomorrow that He is today. And God will tomorrow, as He does now, make provision for my needs and for your needs. And we must not increase today's burdens by borrowing trouble about tomorrow. What we must concentrate on is doing our duty to God today. And then we can trust that the mercy of God will help us bear the trials of tomorrow. Everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about anxiety makes it clear that there's no reason for it. Write this down. Remember it. There is no virtue in worrying, fretting, fuming, and stewing about things. It don't help. Experience has proven that anxiety produces a lot more harm physically and mentally. And we can trust, we can rely on God's care for us. Remember what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 7? He said, Casting all your care upon Him. Well, why, Peter? Why should we cast all of our care upon Him? Because He cares for you, Peter said. Or how about Moses? What Moses told Israel about God. It's in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. He said, God will not fail thee, and God will not forsake thee. Every child of God on the top side of God's green earth today walking in the light of divine truth, has the promise of the comforting assurance that there is a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. That's what the wise man wrote in Proverbs 18, verse 24. In faith and in true Christian courage, we must perform our tasks day by day. We should follow the course laid down for our Lord. And when we do that, God gives us the grace for the duties 
and responsibilities of this life. And finally, He ushers into that eternal abode in heaven. In John chapter 14, Jesus has told His disciples He's going to be going away. And He tells them, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you might be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where You're going. How can we know the way? Listen to it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but my being. And then later in that same 14th chapter in verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Now listen here. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. Neither let it be afraid. That's the promise of Jesus Christ. To every child of God walking in the light. That's the promise of Jesus Christ to everyone who's made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Master of their lives. Because if Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. And only you know the answer to that question. Only you know this morning whether Jesus is Lord and Master of all of your life. Let's be standing together now.